buddies. What's up? Hello, fellow Franco fans. It's been a little while. Uh, I've been uh, off filming two films. And who is this? This is your host, the creator of the Franco Observer Podcast. Your humble host. Well, maybe not humble, but your host, Jason Rudy. And uh, today I bring you episode 42 the erotic rites of Frankenstein. So, um, before I go into that, uh, yeah, this is a uh, fresh recorded intro. Um, this is the first uh, in first Franco episode I've recorded since my two week filming um, deal. We filmed thirteen days of principal photography on Emmanuel in Sin City and Lady Hyde. Uh, my update, retelling, reimagining, uh, reshuffling, totally different, actually, of uh, She Killed an Ecstasy. And uh, Manuel in Sin City is a new Emmanuel film in the Emmanuel canon, like uh, Black Emmanuel, like Blonde Emmanuel, like Emmanuel, like Tokyo Emmanuel, all those 40, 50, 60 films done with Laura Gimser and uh, Sylvia Christel and all everybody all around. So I did my Emmanuel film. Uh, we'll see if they do more. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, Lady Hyde uh, will probably return. And uh, But anyway, all that is in the future, and that would be telling. But, uh, yeah, we have a few films coming up after that. We're going to do Tracy Triangle next. And uh, I have about one or two after that, and we'll tell you those later. But uh, like I said, today we're here for episode 42, The Erotic Rites of Frankenstein. Uh, this is a really cool film that I enjoyed a lot. And let's see, let me give you all the uh, good stuff on it. Uh, Spain and France, co-production, 1972. It's called, let's see, La, Mal, La Maldición de Frankenstein, The Curse of Frankenstein, La Maldición de Frankenstein, France theatrical video, alternative titles, The Erotic Experiences of Frankenstein in Belgium, uh, Les Experiences Erotiques de Frankenstein, uh, Curse of Frankenstein, English language theatrical, The Erotic Adventures of Frankenstein. Uh, it's my fa- almost like my favorite Simpsons, one of my favorite Simpsons jokes. The Erotic Adventures of Hercules with Norman Fell as Zeus. Hercules, the Cyclops tore my clothes off. <laughs> All right, let's see. Um, the Damnation of Frankenstein, Netherlands video title. The Rights of Frankenstein, U.S. DVD cover title. Uh, German DVD. Ein Jungfrau und Dunkalen und Frankenstein, A Virgin in the Hands of Frankenstein, La Paris de la Nuit, Prince Prince Prilis, Unconfirmed uh, Titles, uh, Le Exploitique Erratique de Frankenstein, French Pre Release, uh, Daughter of Dr. Frankenstein, La Fille de Dr. Frankenstein, uh, Das Bruger de Gürten, Frauen, German Title, The Criminal Court of the Tortured Woman, Women. Uh, the Damnation of Frankenstein, export title, uh, let's see, production companies, Cooperative Phoenix Films out of Madrid and Comptour Francois, uh, de film production, and then we had the theatrical distribution as the uh, Bilbiana Films out of Bilbano, uh, Comptour Francois de film production of Paris again, and Titanus Films of Brussels. Shooting date on this is um, March, April of 72. Additional sequences were filmed later with uh, Lena and that on June of 73. Uh, French visa issued G- January 8th, 73. Played France March 15th, 73. 
Belgium, July 26, 73. Canada, Windsor, Ontario, uh, July 19th of 74. Uh, Stige Festival screening, October 2nd, 74. And then played Madrid, May 3rd of 76. And Barcelona on May 28th of 70, 1976. Theatrical running time, the French version is 73 minutes. And the uh, extended um, film, uh, the Spanish version with different cloth footage and Lena footage and all that gypsy is uh, 84 minutes. Cast. Um, Alberto de Valles plays Dr. Jonathan Seward. Uh, Alberto de Valles has been in a few Franco films at this point, and he's a really steady, dependable actor. Always good as a lead or as a um, second or third tier uh, you know, co, um, co-star. Uh, Dennis Price as Dr. Frankenstein. He's good in this. Howard Vernon is interesting, again, as Caligstro. Uh, has a lot of his um, lines delivered by Anne Liebert as Melissa the Bird Woman, who is... Anne Liebert stills a show in this movie. Well, well, she's one of the people. But there's a lot of good points, but she's really strong in this. Uh, Beatrix Savon plays Vera Frankenstein. She's good. Uh, Fernando Bilbo as the monster. Uh, uh, let's see. Britt Nichols is great as Madame Orloff. Uh, Luis Barbu as Karnatz Kligstro's manservant, who's really great in this as well. He's he's the other person. He's still the show, but he's really strong. Daniel White as Inspector Tanner. Doris Thomas as... Mar- Myra, the painter's model. Lena Romay as Esmeralda, Gypsy. Jess Franco as Morpho, Dr. Franco's assistant, uncredited. Uh, Eduardo Pimenta as Abigail, Vera Frankenstein's lab assistant. And Nicole Gutierrez as Greta, Madame Orloff's maidservant. Credits directed by Jess Franco. Story and screenplay, Jess Franco, Spanish Prince. Adapted by Jess Franco, French Prince. Director of photography, Raul Artigat. Editor, Roberto Fandino. Uh, music, Daniel White. In Spanish Prince. Um, let's see. Executive producer Arturo Motoros Teodor, presented by French Co Production Robert de Nicelle. Yeah, he's uh, with the Comptour Phoenix Films. I mean, the Comptour uh, Francois. Um, and let's see. Uh, production manager Robert de Nicelle again for Spanish Prince. Production manager Victor de Costa. Um, assistant director Jose Antonio Alvarado. Uh, continuity, Nicole Gutierrez, camera operator, Alberto Praus, camera assistant, Marius Pereira, still photographer, Christian Hart, set decorator, J.D. Bartos, makeup, Monique Adelay, assistant makeup, Antonio Nito, lab, photo fee. Um, let's see. Okay. Production notes. The most extraordinary of Franco's Portuguese gothics, the erotic rites of Frankenstein, was made circa March, April, 72. A shooting permit was applied for on March 24, 72 at which point Franco almost certainly began filming. The permits themselves were often granted months later, a delay he can scarcely have tolerated at this point in his career. Review. Frankenstein and his silver monster, an insane mesmerist, a murderous bird woman, walking corpses, nude flagellation, voyeuristic skeletons, castles and crypts and coffins. The erotic rites of Frankenstein is awash with strange sights and sounds, and is one of this author, Mr. Stephen Thrower, from... Murderous Passions, Volume 1, uh, one of his f- personal favorites in the Franco canon. And yeah, I really enjoy it too. It's not one of my like top five, but it's my top 20, I would say. It's definitely good, you know, out of 174 films, you know. Um, from the opening scene is Dr. Frankenstein practices surgery on a screaming monster. Uh, muscle-bound Hulk sprays silver from head to toe. Franco announces in no uncertain terms that he intends to crank up to 11 the delirium which engulfed 
in his previous monster fest, Dracula, Prisoner of Frankenstein. In doing so, he introduces his freakiest creation yet, Melissa the Bird Woman, played by Anne Liebert, wearing feathers, talons, a cape, and little else. Entering Franklin, Frankenstein's laboratory, she lets loose a demented peacock cry before clawing at the confused scientist and killing his cringing servant, Morpho, played by Franco himself. Who could resist the sight of this feathered chimera, her mouth undulating to the shrieks of some tropical bird? It's Anne Liebert's signature role, and she's amazingly sexy and strange, exuding a dazed, beautifully sensuality that Franco uses to convey rapturous abandon to the arousing capacities of evil. I'm particularly fond of the way she conveys her psychic link with Howard Vernon's malevolent Calixtro, as though picking up blissful transmissions from another dimension. Is this how the Manson girls felt? Liebert could have played a terrifying Patricia Kernwinkle. Caligastro is his most memorable in a long line of hypnotic Svengali's in Franco's filmography. <clears throat> it's gratifying that we see a lot more of the master controller than in other films with this theme. Uh, the shots of Howard Vernon's eyes filling the screen bring us closer to the traditional image of the malevolent mesmerist than ever before. Vernon gives it his all in a role as iconic and memorable as Dr. Orloff. He plays Caligastro in the style of a deranged cult leader, Shades of Manson again, and whether in lordly long shots or eyeball-bogging close-ups, he fits the bill perfectly. The only person in leading cast who seems to struggle is poor old Dennis Price. At his peak, Price was an actor of Maleficent's voice and noble bearings, neither of which attributes emerged here. The alcoholism that engulfed his latter years is all too obvious, although I suppose his roles as a frequently reanimated cadaver somewhat limits the scope for his poison grandeur. Uh, the erotic rites of Frankenstein is easily the most delirious of just Franco's gothic horrors. The story may be nuts, whole hazelnuts by normal standards, and the pacing is unfocused as ever, but the film is eventful, the soundtrack is a delight, and the wide-angle composition is wonderfully stylish. Yes, several shots are out of focus, but their dreamlike beauty justifies their inclusion. Uh, meanwhile, the exploitable elements, murder, the reanimation of cadavers, acid attacks, mesmerism, sadomasochistic torture, ensure that our salacious and morbid fascination is sustained throughout. No one who has ever seen the film can forget the sequence in which Carante and Vera Frankenstein are stripped nude and trussed back-to-back -back in a circle of knives, then whipped until one of the other falls onto the blades. A heavily muscled silver monster horse-whipping a naked man and woman while shrouded skeletons gather round to watch. Frank was delving into the fetish imagery of the Italian fumetti comic strips and populating his parallel universe with unforgettable, perverse, and garish images. That's very true. That's like Death I was saying. Uh, Ann Liebert and uh, that scene are like the two big highlights of this film. That uh, those two see, and those two, like her character is her definitely signature role. She's a lot of good films, too. She's really strong in the demons and other things, but uh, yeah, this is her signature role. And then. Uh, the scene with uh, him and her back to back um, on the, on this thing, nude being whipped in skeletons. It's a very, very cool scene. Naturally, as this is a low-budget production shot in two weeks, there are flaws that will amuse some and appall others. Yeah, two weeks, that's funny. I shot my film, each of my features in about a week each. I did 13 days, so... Uh, yeah, it's funny. Interesting. Um, for instance, Beatrice Savon reads her lines quite blatantly off the back of a medical skeleton's shoulder during during the scene in which Vera Frankenstein swears to continue her father's work as and as Seward and Tanner climb through the upstairs window of Clickstrow's castle a modern car goes by on a road behind them but if you enjoy these goofs for what they are using accidents of a hurry schedule the film can transport you into a gothic fantasy land full of 
mystery and menace populated by scheming supervillains, avians, chimaras, enslaved muscle men, bad-eared weirdos, flinty-esque old ladies, and the parodies of the living dead. You're unlikely to care a lot about you're unlikely to care a jot about the heroic or vulnerable characters, and quite right too, because neither does Franco. This is a film in which playful malice and pictorial pleasure outweigh such mon- mundanities as plot or structure. We're creating through cartoon imagery while skim reading a gothic pot boiler. We're drunkenly re- recollecting a handful of bizarre moments from macabre literature. We're tumbling into the pages of Lord Hort comics. There's simply no need to give a damn about the decent characters. The only possible figures for which we might care are Clickstrow and Melissa, whose maniacal machinations are conveyed with such intensity by Vernon and Liebert that one almost feels like joining them in their erotically charged world of mind control and S&M dungeon parties. <sighs> Franco on screen. Playing Morpho, Franco has little to do except man the controls in Frankenstein's laboratory, but his hunched, cringing appearance, a sleazy hobbit in a lab coat, is memorable nonetheless. Cast and crew. Sultry, Raven Hair Beauty, and Liebert apparently enjoyed every minute of her time with the Spanish director, exhausting though it all could be. She told the French magazine Star System 78, I went to Portugal with a guy who wanted to make horror movies, Jess Franco. It's amazing with him. When it was raining, we did a film where it was raining. When it was fine, we did another, and we did several at once. It was crazy. We did cinema as they had to in 1920. We were ready out of we were really out of breath there, working day and night. It was the only time in my life when, for a scene, I shot in a bed, I really slept. I played it really well. We were really exhausted. It was like that on the Demons, where I played the good sister. In Portugal, there are no unions. We were shooting day and night. We ate when we finished at 2 in the morning or with plates in our hands while filming. Let's see. Kicking music. Kicking off the Spanish version is the frenzied workout for church organ. That sounds like Keith Emerson in the midst of a nervous breakdown. The score is a rite of wonders for our electronic music accompanied by... Detained grandeur, uh, guitar skitters of ripping scenes. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, it's interesting music on this one. Um, we're going to skip over that. Locations. Franco rings maximum visual pleasure from the stunning Portuguese coastal locations. Calixtro's lair is the Conde de Gastro Gomeri's palace in Cascais, Portugal, as previously seen in Virgil Living Dead. However, this is the only time Franco allows us a clear, long shot of the spectacular sea-facing side of the building. Some shots were gathered at the nearby Fortaleza de Goncio Hotel in Casquias, while the remaining scenes were shot in Barcelona, Marica, and the interior of the Santa Barbara Castle in Alicante. Sources also indicate that some work was done at the Estudio Cinematografios Belzar in Barcelona during June 1973. Studio Estudio Bascar, Barcelona. And let's see, he goes into about uh, the history of Caligastro, about Malay's short film, and Nietzsche references his name, and Beyond Good and Evil, and uh, version of Caligastro was played by Orson Welles in the 1949 film Black Magic. Uh, pop culture adds him in uh, DC Comics, features him as the immortal Robert Anton Wilson folding him with pages of uh, Luminous Chronicles, and they... Uh, Talk about uh, Ronald Reagan's Frankenstein is without most delirious and successful of Franco's attempts to convey the visual thrills of the Italian fumetti, comic strips with names such as Ajacula and Alertum Comba. These lurid fantasies were a significant influence on Franco's early 70 horror films in the French magazine Star System, and Liebert explained another of Franco's sources. You know where he found his scripts, his stories, Jesus Franco? In these small book dessinés, what are they called? Bandes Dessinés is the term for a variety of Franco-Belgian comic strip, sometimes, but not always, of a fantastical or sexual nature. You see, he found all his ideas there. 
The Erotic Rise of Frankenstein features many of the cast seen in Dracula, Prisoner of Frankenstein, Vernon Price, Delvase, Liebert, Bilbao, Barbeau, Nichols, Pimenta, all return, as do characters' names from earlier films. Dr. Seward is back, one of the female victims of Clickster is called Madame Orloff. The time-traveling Inspector Tanner, played here by composer Daniel White, makes his fourth appearance following the awful Dr. Orloff. Uh, Cetus Erotica and Eugenie. Morpho, the deformed assistant from Awful Dr. Orloff, turns up again, played by Jess Franco himself, and Melissa the Birdwoman shares her name with Dr. Orloff's daughter. Kalikstro's plan to mate women with Frankenstein's monster to create a slave super race under his psychic control echoes Frankenstein's plan to create an army of vampire slaves and Dracula prisoner Frankenstein. Uh, Kalikstro resides at the castle of Barna, a likely derivative of Varna, the Bulgarian town referenced in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, Seward's use of the word association to question the traumatized Abigail recalls the use of the technique in Succubus. Mind control is a vital and evolving theme of Franco cinema, which I always state in my list as well, my uh, Franco list. Over the years, the explanations morphed from scientific to psychological, and from there into hazier regions of supernatural influence. As a plot device, it first emerges in the awful Dr. Orloff, where the demon doctor's control over his lobotomized servant, Morpho, is achieved by surgery. In Dr. Orloff's monster, Dr. Fisherman controls the reanimated cadaver of his dead brother using a combination of sound signals and behavioral training. And in the diabolical Dr. C, enslavement is achieved using brain surgery and sci-fi technology, i.e. steel pins shoved deep into the brain. Attack of the Robots saw the villains controlling humans over long distances with the aid of bonding gadgetry technology again. It's only with Succubus that we move on from the surgical and technological and onto something more nebulous. The nature of control exerted over the heroine Lorna by her mysterious creator and purposely left vague and undefined. As with many other elements in the surprisingly vague film, then there's the mind control exerted by the killer artist over his lacanthrope and sadist erotica, by the villainous gay lovers over the Andros Musclemen and Kiss Me Monster, by Fu Manchu over his osculating beauties of the blood of Fu Manchu, and by Dracula over Lucy, one of horror's most famous hypnotic subjects in Count Dracula. With Nightmares Come at Night, we see Franco honing that concept with a dominant woman steering a vulnerable female victim to commit murders through means of post-hypnotic su- suggestion, thus taking the Irma-Nadia relationship in the diabolical Dr. Z and filleting out the cod science. Technological mind control pops up again in the retro-chic The Vengeance of Dr. Mabuse. Psychic seduction is the name of the game in Vampiros Lesbos. And goodness knows how the zombified men running around in The Devil Came from Akasava are being controlled. The film is in too much of a hurry to explain. Which brings us to Dracula, Prisoner of Frankenstein, with its confluence of science and magic giving Dr. Frankenstein control over both his monster and the king of vampires, and the erotic rites of Frankenstein, in which Melissa the Birdwoman accepts Clickstrow's will gladly. Vera Frankenstein's will is obliterated, and Dr. Frankenstein finds the shoe is on the other foot as he becomes a pawn of the insane mesmerist. Later using the theme includes... Later use of the theme includes The Sinister Eyes of Dr. Orloff, 1973, involving drugs and hypnotism, The Shining Sex, 75, in which drugs are administered by an alien mesmerist, Voodoo Passion, 1977, in which a voodoo mind control is used by unscrupulous whites, 
Macumba Sexual, 1981, and which features an ambiguously magical mesmerist. El Sinestro, Dr. Orloff, 82, which returns to the clapped-out remnants of a 1950s technology. El Sexo Tiene La Noche, 83, which ex- scarcely explains its methods, leaving us to assume his gnosis and Sola Ante Terra, 1983, in which supernatural forces are at work again. Other versions. Two versions of the erotic rites of Frankenstein were filmed at the same time, one clothed and one nude. And it's definitely the latter that's more desirable than the two. So he writes basically it wasn't on DVD, but uh, since this time, uh, the German Blu-ray I have uh, has this on here. So, um, but yeah, the um, let's talk about all that. Blah, 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 blah. So yeah, the clothed version I have, I have on actually DVD, but uh, I'm watching it in a while. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, so uh, just a year later, after shooting Captain's Perverse, Franco added appropriate, approximately 12 minutes of new footage featuring Lena Romay as a gypsy girl cursed by Glickstro. There was a concern the film was too short, so they shot that footage. Fortunately, the added scenes are leaden and pointless. The film were too much better without them. Also, at the same time, uh, there were several shots of cowled revenants walking through misty woodland on their way to Glickstro's castle. And, uh, let's see. Roderick Rice Frankenstein, okay. Uh, press coverage. The film's latter, the film's first encounter with Spanish press was pleasing and warm, and they gave it a run uh, on double bill with uh, Bonnie. Oh, that's cool. Uh, living, catching it on a first run double bill with Arthur Marks, U.S. exploitation flick Bonnie's Kids, and excluding it as a horror movie in wit and line with what is usual in the genre, but perhaps a bit more extreme. Increasingly, you have to provide uh, more reasons for horror and surprise, and in this endeavor, Jesus Franco does not fall short. During the movie, we see the rebirth of Cligistro and a woman, bird of prey, who feeds on human flesh. At the Sieg's Horror Festival lineup in October 74, however, the same newspaper's festival reporter had taken a different view with a repeat of the hostility that greeted Dracula the Prisoner Frankenstein in 72. A horror story that nixes all kinds of elements and concepts of terror and magic mythology. It's a film that managed to raise more than a little laughter thanks to grotesque dialogue and naive deductions from bombastic policemen. The reviewer concluded by asking why Stiege would even include such a film in his program. All right, so that uh, wraps up that part of the intro. Three, two... Alright, so uh, that's the end of uh, what Stephen Thrower writes about it in uh, Murderous Passions, Volume 1. Um, yeah, it's a fun film. Definitely, I say check it out. Uh, please download the episode. It increases the numbers, audience, and uh, rate it and share it, please. Uh, give good reviews. Tell everybody about the uh, podcast. Seems like we're in, we're in a good groove, but uh, numbers are about staying where they are the last few months, so uh, let's uh, get the word out. And help me help this podcast. Uh, tell all your friends and maybe post some things. Uh, you know, if you know Fraco fans or people talk about Fraco, please recommend the podcast if you dig it. Um, it'd be cool to get other people that you know that dig it as well. So please help me out. I would appreciate it. Let's get some numbers up here. Um, and, uh, you know, do for Uncle Jess and do for Uncle Jason. Um, so, yeah, let's see. This is uh, that part. Uh, next episode, we are watching film 43 which is the demons and um that is a very good film as well so that's got a lot of text on it as well so that'll be a longer episode at least in the introduction part so 
All righty. Well, um, I hope you dig this film. I hope you dig the podcast and uh, hang out. And after the bumper music, you'll hear our review. And Eric and I review the erotic rites of Frankenstein. Be well. Hey, buddies. Welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy, coming to you today from the Franco Observer Studios on the sacred grounds of Transylvania in the Transylvania District, where on episode 42, we watched film 42, The Erotic Rites of Frankenstein. Um, Almost like the erotic... Tales of Hercules with Norman Fell as Zeus from The Simpsons. But, uh, yeah, this didn't have Norman Fell in it. But uh, speaking of Norman Fell, I've seen somebody fall, and that's my co-host, Mr. Eric Whitwell. Hey! Hey. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, um, we watched uh, The Erotic Rites of Frankenstein and uh, really enjoyed it. So uh, what I will do is um, give the synopsis of the film. It's a little bit wordy. But uh, it's pretty cool because this was a very good film. So um, let me go through and see by reading this if I've learned anything about this. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, give me one second. All right, so uh, synopsis. The immortal magician and mesmerist Caligastro, also, who also resides in the castle of Barna, a fantastical palace overlooking the sea, dispatches his devoted acolyte Melissa the Bird Woman and his manservant Caronte to steal Dr. Frankenstein's monster. Breaking into Frankenstein's laboratory, Melissa claws Dr. Frankenstein with her talons and kills his assistant Morpho, played by Jess Franco. She and Caronte deliver the monster stored in a large trunk to Caligastro, who dominates it with his mesmeric powers. He plans to use it to abduct young women whom he will dismember to create his own female monster. The two monsters will then mate, creating a super race conditioned to obey Caligastro's will. When villagers find the dying Dr. Frankenstein wandering the forest, they take him to his old friend and rival Dr. Seward. Before dying on his in- before dying of his injuries, Frankenstein tells Seward what has happened and begs him to revive the monster for science. Seward talks about the case to Inspector Tanner, the local policeman. At Frankenstein's funeral, several uh, Seward meets Vera Frankenstein, the dead man's daughter, who is herself a scientist. That night, with her lab assistant Abigail, Vera disenters her father's corpse and takes it back to his castle. Using her father's reanimation equipment, she brings him back to life long enough for him to explain what happened. Vera vows that she will retrieve the monster and continue her father's work. That night, Frankenstein's monster abducts a local noblewoman called Madame Orloff. In the woods, a local gypsy girl hears the voice of Caligastro in her mind, telling her she has been chosen to continue his name and dynasty. Okay, now this is the part that Lena was in that we didn't see, so this is the gypsy girl that is in a different version. Okay. So yeah, that's what I'm reading here as I stop. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, that, that's okay. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, telling her she's been chosen to continue. Okay. In the forest, the bodies of the dead revive at Caligastro's bidding and gather at his castle. Caligastro instructs Carante to behead Madame Orloff while the assembled corpses watch. Vera Frankenstein and Abigail spy on Carante and the monster as they leave the castle of Barna to abduct a new victim. Myra, a painter's model. Vera Frankenstein takes Myra's place and has herself abducted in order to gain entrance to Caligstro's castle. Melissa, who has been left behind by Carante, is hit in the face with a riding whip by Abigail as she makes her escape. When Melissa explains what happened, Caligstro is furious with Carante. He also realizes the abductee is not Myra, but Vera Frankenstein. The mesmeric devises a sport. Carante and Vera are tied naked back to back. In a circle of knives. Okay, let me finish to read this first. Um, the monster then, flag, then flogs the pair. The only way to survive is for one to push the other onto the blades. Vera proves to be the more survival-oriented of the two. At Seward's surgery, Seward and Tanner question Abigail, who reveals that Vera is at Kligstro's castle. They also question the deceased Dr. Frankenstein by reviving him with his magnetic ray device. Meanwhile, Kligstro hypnotizes Vera to assist in the creation of a female monster which has the head of Madame Orloff. Seward and Tanner break into the castle of Barna and see Vera Frankenstein preparing her father's monster to procreate with Kligstros. The dead are summoned once again to witness the ceremonial impregnation. Seward shouts out that Kligstro killed Dr. Frankenstein. The enraged monster goes on the rampage, but Kligstro manages to protect himself with his mesmeric powers and the crazed monster and Ted instead attacks Vera Frankenstein. Tanner shoots the monster in the head, rescuing Vera. Kligstro drives off in his carriage, apparently steering the horse into the sea. Vera Frankenstein tells Seward that in nine months' time, Kligstro will be reborn. So, Eric, what do you think of the film? Of, um, <clears throat> of his horror films that are like the Frankenstein, Draculas, uh, those films, I think this is my favorite. This is... Yeah, I think this is probably my favorite one. Yeah, it's it's really really good. So you know, it's funny now. Since as I was sitting there reading this, it's actually factually wrong. Okay, so he has written down here that uh, the monster has the head of Madame Orloff, which is supposed to be Britt Nichols, correct? The yes. head is yeah, the head okay. was Britt Brit right. Nichols. Yeah. So here they have Britt Nichols. Okay, Britt Nichols. As Madame Orloff. Okay, I stand corrected then. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't realize Britt Nichols was Madame Orloff. I thought she was somebody else. Okay, great. So that's fine. Britt Nichols played Dr. Orloff's daughter. I didn't realize that was her. Okay, never mind. I stand corrected. Okay, good. That's why I was got a little confused. And then they have here, um, we have, uh, okay, so the model, Mira, the painter's model. Okay, mm-hmm. Doris Thomas, Mira, the painter's model. And they have um, about the double switch. Uh Melissa, who has been left behind, okay, uh, to be hit, okay, um, okay, Myrna, okay, Myrna, painter's model, okay, uh, oh, to abduct, okay, Myrna, painter's model, Vera Frankenstein takes Myrna's place and has herself abducted in order to gain entrance, which is right, because they find Mm -hmm. her chain of the wall. Melissa, who has been the bird woman, who has been left behind by Caronte, the Scarface guy, yep. in his uh, 
had been left behind by Carmen is hit in the face with a riding whip by Abigail. Yeah. Okay, that's what it takes off the horse mm-hmm. and makes her escape. When Melissa explains what happened, Clickster was furious with Karate, correct? Yeah. He also realizes that in the abductee is not Myrna, but Vera Frankenstein, okay? Then he has Karate and Vera. Now, yeah. Who's Vera? Vera? Vera Frankenstein. That's the daughter. Okay. That, they, that, Tied naked back mm-hmm. to back. Okay, so it was her naked yeah. on the, okay, not the, okay, there, not okay that's the where I'm confused. Okay. And then uh, Seward and Tanner question Abigail. Okay, that's the girl who mm-hmm. took off. Okay, Vera. They did that word okay, association. That, okay, now I got it. Okay, now, yeah, because the thing when they switched the painter's model with Dolph Frankenstein's daughter, they looked very similar with the blonde hair. Yeah. And I wasn't sure. And then the switcheroo. And yeah, when we were watching, only, you, you kept on thinking that. I think that was the model. Yeah, I, I, was I wasn't sure. Yeah, because yeah. their boobs and everything were like, wow. So, yeah, it's a Vera Oh, Frankenstein no, Vera's was, nice, dude. So... <laughs> I'm just going to go straight off with the nudity. This film basically has like nudity really fast. Uh, I think it was like two. Actually, let me get my notes. Uh, I'll have Eric talk about some of the nudity real fast. Oh, okay. So, first of all, Britt Nichols. I, I, I take back what I had said before. Um, I, I, Britt Nichols has to be in my top three. She has to be. She's too stupid, ridiculously beautiful. Like, just gorgeous face. And oh my gosh. Like they broke the mold. They broke the mold. Yeah, as Madame Orloff, she is like really amazing. Okay, here it is. Okay, so yeah, here we go. All right, so yeah, two minutes fifty seconds. We see first full nudity, and that would be Anne Liebert, correct? Mm-hmm, the Bird yeah. Woman. Yep. Okay, so first of all, Anne, Anne, in my opinion, Anne Liebert steals this show. She has like the most lines, I think, maybe of any of the actors, or way up there. She's mm-hmm. maybe the top two, and she's amazing in this film. Her presence is great. She. She's more than just a pretty face. I mean, she's the monster. She's yeah. the whole movie. Caligastro speaks through her a lot, so she has a lot of what Howard Vernon. Howard Vernon speaks some lines in this, but he kicks back and just uses his eyes and speaks through the bird woman, and she carries all of his lines. And she does the weird squawks and that, but she also talks and uh, bites and has create kind of like and the soul dot a little bit, the kind of crazed face yeah. and, I, I and just, that too. you know and and just full nude with the feathers on her and she she was she's one of my favorite i've always liked her and stuff always had a fondness for her in these last few films but this character she plays i think is one of the coolest franco characters yeah in this films like she's just so cool in a lot of different areas you know yeah like her beauty and the effects they did her the the positioning of just the feathers on the hand and some of the body and other spaces and just fit her really well with the cape, and it was, it was really fucking cool. The claws. Yeah. Like, she was the coolest character in the film. Yeah, yeah. She was, like, a three-dimensional character, because not only was she, like, this crazy creature, right. but she also had spoke and had uh, a personality. And, you know, I mean, she was she was more than just uh, special effects or more than just a costume. Yeah, plus so, she has a magic tongue, too, in this okay, film, she's which hot. is awesome. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, uh, she, I think, was the strongest, definitely the strongest character in this movie. Yeah, 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 and, and, and especially with being, you know, Howard Vernon, Dennis Price, uh, you know, yeah, Britt Nichols and everybody else, and it's, like, for her to, like, you know, take on those people is pretty cool. Yeah, Howard Vernon's just been kind of relying on his, uh, his weird looks and his weird yeah. eyes the last few movies. I know, he just kind of, like... <laughs> has his presence and just yeah. does that really. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm just going to go through some of the people and what I thought about them before we go into the list and everything. Um, uh, so Alberto de boss plays Dr. Stewart. He was, he was cool. He's been in the last few films, police inspector and that he has a really cool face. I always forget who he looks like. Um, Dennis price plays Dr. Frankenstein in this. I liked him better in devil's Island, uh, lovers as the attorney, but, but, but he was fun in this as getting yeah. as Dr. Frankenstein second time. 
Howard Vernon again is cool. It kind of looks like Gilligan or Doby McGillis with his beatnik <laughs> beard. And, except his beard, uh, there's a scene early with him and Ann Liebert, and her hair gets like caught up in his beard and her claws, and her claws pull some of his hair off his face with the spirit gum, and you can see it kind of caught in her hair. It was kind of funny, that little yeah. slip up. And I kept thinking that his uh, hair on his face was like a vagina bush because the way it was some of the women here matched. So that's how you think of men's hair on their face? Yeah, the... the <laughs> On the chin, well, I mean, that's, come on, that's what it looks like. The chin right up in the hair yeah. and the mouth. Man. Oh, yeah, with the, the muffs that we've been seeing, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. it's understandable. Most definitely. Uh, and then, um, of course, uh, so Fernando Bilbo as the monster. I know I saw his name before. I know he's been in a few films. Um, so this was a cool take. Eric, Eric dug the Frankenstein monster because of his body and the chrome on him. It's yeah. a cool touch. Instead of being green, he was silver or chrome color, you know. Yeah, I'd never seen that before. I thought that was really cool, like little, yeah, little switch. And this Frankenstein was better than uh, the Dracula Prisoner Frankenstein. I thought because oh, the, yeah. the green with those that was pretty cheesy. This actually was cool. He did a different style. Um, he kind of used the the Boris uh, Jack Pierce Frankenstein kind of molded uh, brow forehead deal, but painting him silver and the other stuff, jeans and the belt and stuff. Uh, took away from the other stuff so they probably wouldn't get sued, you know, so they didn't have an exact copy of the uh, Jack Pierce makeup. Um, and then let's see what else we have. Uh, of course, Britt Nichols. You know, it's funny. So Britt Nichols, they chop off her head to make this, like, ultimate woman out of other body parts from women that he captures. But in the end, it's just Britt Nichols laying naked on the table with, with a her own body. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like... You should have just kept her without chopping her head off and just reanimate her dead body, and there you go. You yeah. Know? Well, I don't know why you were trying to find a better body anyway. Yeah, like, I Your know. body is pretty perfect. Yeah. Like, it's like... And, and Brett Nichols always shows a lot in, this, in her films, but in this film, you definitely get to see a lot of Brett Nichols. You see the nickels and the dimes. Oh, it's so yeah. nice. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's very nice. Very nice. Um, and then also very nice is Luis Barbeau as Karate Clickstro's manservant. <laughs> Uh, you get to see his uh, nickel and dimes as well. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, too. So there's a scene where him and uh, the Von uh, Frankenstein's daughter are chained up back to back on this table with spikes. And the Frankenstein's monster is whipping him. And and he's totally and it's so cool that this guy's totally naked in there. And I always think it's cool when a guy that's in these films as not a leading man or ever is totally naked in the movie. That's yeah. pretty brave. And that's yeah. cool that he did that. And you're like, well, I know. He was going to get naked. And you see him tied up with his dick hanging out. And uh, a couple times the monster whips him, and you can tell the whip hit him right in the head of his dick. You can see him kind of flinch a few times. It's like me and Eric were laughing because you see his dick jump like once or twice when it's hit. Yeah. It's so funny. So, but yeah, that, that actually was a pretty cool scene. And this is a really fucking cool movie. I keep thinking about it. It was, it was awesome that scene, too, because that's when he brought out the, the dead of the forest. And so, like, you have yeah. all these, like, like some people cheap have, fucking skull masks yeah, from skull the dollar masks. store. Yeah. One guy has like white like makeup on, and then a dude had elf ears. And Eric, Eric was obsessed with the guy with the elf ears. I was trying to tell people, okay, even though it's supposed to be like, I guess the dead bodies were reanimated to come watch the ceremony. I took it as like these are creatures that he took from hell because well, the skeletons obviously the corpses, but they were like other guys just had their face painted. The guy with the with the with the uh, elf ears because like if you see like movies of creatures from hell coming up. It's not just dead people. There's other demons and half man, half devils and different 
combinations of things. So that's why I think he was. Trying and it to makes sense to yeah. uh, like bodies of the forest. You know, elves are right. of the forest. But yeah. but it was just the fact that you had multiple characters with white paint on. Right. You had multiple characters with skull mask on, but you had one dude. That had elf ears. Well, but what if he had five dudes with elf ears? Well, then that would make sense because everything else that comes in multiples. See, but if you have one guy, that one guy stands out. Yeah, that's what you, I'm saying. Yeah, that's yeah, a- and that's good because then he's the only guy that's like that because then it's like you would think of – if you see something as one, you think of it as true. If you see multiples of something, you think of it more as hokey. Like if you see five skeletons, oh, that's pretty hokey. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I thought it was cool. Just uh, I thought it was a variety because you see skeleton, 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 yeah. skeleton. Elf ears, skeleton, skeleton. <laughs> Ske- you know, it's like, well, okay, that guy. I don't know why he didn't have yeah. a bow and arrow, though, too. Yeah, yeah that well, confused me. You know. <laughs> well, he's dead. He don't need a bow and arrow. And then uh, we have uh, Daniel White, of course, as Inspector Tanner. And then uh, Doris Thomas. Uh, this is, I think, her first appearance in some of the Franco films. She starts showing up later on in quite a few of them as uh, uh, Myra the painter's model she is quite a model very very statuesque beautiful woman yes very beautiful almost a blonde uh, Esperanza Roy <laughs> you know. no I don't know uh, if I go that far well, I, you might want to look at her again dude uh, then of course we have Edouard uh, Pimenta as Abigail von Frankenstein's lab assistant and then Nicole Gutierrez as Greta Madame Orloff's maidservant so yeah this was really good um, so I'm going to go through and hit the list here because quite a few of this was hit right in the beginning of the film uh, number one, body of water. Yes. yes. Number two and three, sailboat or boats. No. No. Four, palm tree. Uh, I don't think so. I didn't see. Yeah, it. I didn't see yeah, palm didn't tree see either. Any. Jungle sound effects. Well, we had a like a crow, and like a uh, what was the other one? It was. Uh, it, it, it sounded like a someone who's just learning to play the Native American. Flute. Oh yeah, that flute thing. What it was supposed Woo-hoo! to be like. Uh, or, or no, no, it was supposed to be that bird sound because that woman yeah. it was. So they had like a, I mean, there was sound effects, I guess, monster, birdie sound. So that's half maybe. Number six, chained up person. Fucking yes. Oh, yes. A lot of chained up persons, men and women. Yes. Uh, the guy that was chained up for her to eat toward the end. The multiple naked women chained up in the different holding cells. Uh, of course, chained up on the tables, I guess, maybe. Uh, but yeah, a lot of different yeah, stuff. a lot of that. Um, Number seven, dance scene on stage stripping. No, but what was that one I thought of? It was uh, all the all them were watching. Oh no, I was thinking, yeah, that was later on. We were watching those. Yeah, yeah okay. So yeah, nothing on that. Uh, number eight, club scenes dancing. No. Nine, jazz music. A little bit there toward the end. There was a couple of jazz numbers that I picked yeah. up. Uh, Ten, excessive zooms. Not really excessive, I don't think. I didn't catch. Not excessive, but he had a couple that were really cool, though. Yeah, no, there was really good shots yeah. in this. He had a cool uh, ground-level shot looking up when they were carrying Dennis Price's casket to his funeral. That was a cool shot. He had a lot of cool, like, really cool, got the light, the sunlight, and this was beautiful with uh, Kligastro and the bird woman sitting mm-hmm. and the sunlight coming in, transferring the will of Vera Frankenstein to him. We were noticing that yeah. shot in the morning and shot at night, those two light times. Shot that scene was really great, and uh, yeah, amazing natural lighting and just really good lighting in this. Um, so yeah, but number eleven out of focus shots, yes, yeah. there are some, especially on some of the nudity. Not too crazy though, not not no. like some of his earlier films or later. But on Ann Liebert's boobs and yeah. uh, Britt Nichols and stuff, it's yeah. like you kind of drop shots. Come on, jazz! I always get a little too excited or something. <laughs> now this one I didn't catch. Twelve mirror shots. I don't no, think I so. Yeah, I didn't really no, see, I didn't any. see any mirrors. 
Uh, well, 13, mind control theme. Yes, very oh, yeah. much so. Yeah. Clickstro, mind control. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's all I got to say. That's his whole deal. 14, magic tongue scenes. Hell yeah. Ann Liebert's magic tongue. She does On the these, dude. Yeah, yeah, the dude's nipple. She smiles. And she was doing it earlier, too, and she was biting the guy with the blood. She kind of did a tongue around the nipple. Yeah. So, yeah, that's her thing. That was kind of a funny scene, too, because like it was all... She's she sexily like, I, kills the people all the time. Well, he's like, I got I got a surprise for you. You're going to like... Here's Cell the key to or 10 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. She goes up. It's just this, this black dude is just chained up there yeah. with some blood coming down, and she's like, oh. She just basically crawls up to him and just like basically starts kissing him and licking him and basically dry humping him and I was like that's a fucking fun role to play man you're just like <laughs> you're just gonna sit here and chained up and then Aunt Libra's gonna like grind up against you yeah. and lick your chest and nuzzle your neck and just, just kiss you like, okay I have no problem oh I'm sorry I didn't mean to rub my nipple on yeah. you was this take 22 <laughs> okay let's do take 23 it's like you just keep messing up the scenes so yeah, they have exactly. to keep filming it <laughs> that's what I was trying to imply Eric with the joke uh, number 14 med- okay I already did that see magic tongue scene uh, number 15 red light yes mini red lights uh, 1617, of course, no sheepskin or masturbation with sea items. Number 17, mad scientist. Hell yes. yes. Many mad scientists. Dr. Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein's daughter, Madame Orloff, uh, a few of those. Uh, fish tank shots. No, no talking parrots. Number 20, hands, or I'm sorry, in credits. Yes or no? Yes. yes. This is crazy. They had full end credits I don't know if it said the end but it had all the no other, it didn't say the yeah, end yeah but it had all the production credits mm-hmm. and all the actors and everybody that helped it was really cool uh, number 21 handwritten notes yes Eric, <laughs> Eric caught the first one for the family Frankenstein yeah and the second one was for sulfuric acid that yes. were uh, the, the Frankenstein one was fancier because it was by the crypt and the sulfuric acid one was pretty crude uh, number 22 spiral staircase shot yeah there was because uh, the, there, there's a couple spiral staircases in there. Remember the... You mean the main staircase going to Dracula's basement? Mm-hmm. Well, not just the main one. Because there's another one. There's going up. To... There's another one that they ran up. That um, It was like the second set. So they run up the first when they're chasing... Right. Towards the end when they're chasing uh, Frankenstein. Okay. Who's carrying the girl. And he goes right. up the one. Then he goes up the second one. And right, I think that right. second one kind of... Yeah, I guess, yeah. Could, well, they, the they shot it from the top down. So, yeah, I, I think it goes up and then it kind of goes like maybe off and then... But it's not a standard... Like that, I, okay, I know. guess it's not like a yeah. I mean, spiral. those like staircase yeah. shots, but maybe not spiral staircase. Okay. So. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say no on that, yeah. but there's quite a few staircases. Um, no stairways to heaven, but stairway to Dracula's <laughs> castle. Um, but yeah, so um, let's see what time we got on here, where we're at. About 22 minutes, not bad. Um, but no, th- this was, uh, like I was, I, I agree with Eric, of these last three, um, uh, uh, Dracula, Prisoner, Frankenstein, Dracula's Daughter, and this. I think are, this is the best one. Um, I saw this maybe about 20 years ago. I didn't really think too much of it. Watched it again. Really, really dug it this time. Um, I'm going to give a quick few little side titles to kind of talk about that. Uh, of course, Erotic Rites of Frankenstein is what it's known as. In Spain, it's known as The Curse of Frankenstein, which... Uh, does, oh, I say I have The Rites of Frankenstein. That's the Spanish copy there. And then the, when we watch this erotic rites of Frankenstein, uh, let's see. Yeah, it doesn't say it on this one. They have uh, the erotic experiences of Frankenstein. <laughs> Sounds like a porno. Curse of Frankenstein. The erotic adventures of Frankenstein. That's what I was thinking of. The erotic adventures of Hercules. That's that joke okay. in The Simpsons when Homer says, Oh, Marge, I brought home a video. And he goes, Oh, the erotic adventures of Hercules starring Norman Fell as Zeus. And they're like, All right. And, and then that was like their, like, 
almost like a um, Happy Hooker type movie. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's what it was the Erotic <laughs> Adventures of Hercules. So I, I kept trying to do that joke the last two episodes. I kept I was like oh, off this because I was thinking of the Erotic Rites, but yeah, the Erotic yeah. Adventures of Hercules. So that's what it was in Canada. Um, the Damnation of Frankenstein, The Rights of Frankenstein. This is nice. A Virgin in the Hands of Frankenstein. Germany, of course. Uh, let's see. Daughter of Dr. Frankenstein. Uh, criminal Court of the Tortured w- Women. What? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Unconfirmed titles. Yeah, German title. The Criminal Court of the Tortured Women. The Damnation That's just to sell tickets. Yeah. Uh, this was shot to March, April of 72. So that's cool. Additional scenes, June 73. But yeah, I know it's cool. Um, Franco, too. Franco, this film, he's in it for like just the first few minutes working the cool uh, mad scientist machines. We noticed that they were like spray painted the same uh, chrome silver as the monster is. And there's some spots missing on the, the paint on the machine. You can see where maybe something was that was taken off and sprayed over. And you can still see the outline of like circles or certain things that were there before. Um no, yeah, and basically you see a lot of the same locations. I'm going to kind of go over that real quick. Um, uh, let me see this real fast. Uh, I ain't going to go over a lot of this because I did in the beginning. But, yeah, the most extraordinary of uh, Franco's Portuguese Gothics, The Erotic Rites of Frankenstein, was made circa March, April, 72. Uh, uh, permit was applied for on March, 72, at which point, yeah, so end of Mar- a permit was applied for March 24, so basically they shot it end of March, beginning of April, at which point Frankel almost certainly began filming. The permits themselves were often granted months later, a delay he can sincerely have tolerated at this point in his career. Um, I'll go over all that. Yeah, studios, uh, studios, best car, Barcelona. Okay, locations. Franco rings maximum visual pleasure from the stunning Portuguese coastal locations. Caligstro's lair is the Conde de Castro Gamari's palace. Yeah, that's what we've been watching last few films. Mm-hmm. That's the staircase and all that. Yeah. Um, in Cascius, Portugal, as previously seen in Virgin Mary Living Dead. However, this is the only time Franco allows us a clear long shot of the spectacular sea-facing side of the building. That's why I noticed that staircase in the shot. Yeah. I said I'd never seen that angle of that. Yeah. Um, but you had noticed the bridge past that and everything. Uh, some shots were gathered at the nearby Fortaleza de Gunicho Hotel in Cascius, while the remaining scenes were shot in Barcelona, Mauritia, and the interior of the Santa Barbara Castle in Alicante. Yeah, I used that before. Sources also indicate the same work was done in a studio, uh, that some work was done in his studios, Cinematef Gracios Belzgar in Barcelona during June of 73. Um, they talk about Clickstro and some of the connections in that, but I'll uh, talk about all that in the beginning. Um, but yeah, it's got a lot of the same cast. Um, I definitely dug it. Love the cool machines in it. Uh, I'm just glancing through it now. Just, but uh, yeah, it says... Mind control is a vital and evolving theme of Franco cinema. <laughs> well, I just have to glance. There you, go. Yeah, there you go. That's perfect. That's <laughs> something I thought of. And then as I read this, man, there you go. That solidifies my thing. Um, yeah, that's funny. That's very true. If you go back to all of his films from the way the beginning, that's, well, that's a, a simple thing to do. And it's a great special effect. Um, yeah, let me talk about this real quick. Because um, they talk about the Lena Romay stuff. And I was kind of telling Eric about this. Uh, two versions of the erotic rites of Frankenstein were filmed at the same time. One was a clothed version and the other a nude version. And it's been definitely the latter, the nude version, that's been the more desirable of the two. Sadly, it has yet to turn up on DVD, being available only on VHS as the erotic rights of Frankenstein from the collectible Go Video pre-cert label. 
or as Curse of Frankenstein on Dutch VHS. The differences are not numerous, but they do matter. When Vera Frankenstein and Klinkestro's traitorous manservant, Karante, are trusted together in a circle of knives and whipped by the Frankenstein monster, the clothed version covers Beatrix Savon's breasts and hides Louise Barbu's manhood behind a Tarzan-esque loincloth. And the nude version, they're both uncovered. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. And let's face it, a nude whipping scene trumps a clothed one any day of the week. Madame Orloff's bedtime preparations are a bit more revealing in the nude version, so fans of Brent Nichols should look out for the video <laughs> versions. Amen. Amen. And there's a classic Franco crotch shot during the lead-up to the impregnation of the prone female by the Frankenstein monster. Which, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And Eric had to get him and walk out of the room, so I had to pause for him to show down. <laughs> thank like, you, you for missed that. missed a shot, dude. But thank you for that's, that. I do appreciate that. Knowing Eric, that's classic Eric, too. He gets up during the one thing he probably wants yeah. to see the most in the whole film. Then, you know, it's funny. Uh, let's see. Uh, the closed version also loses a scene entirely in which uh, a bored and bad-tempered Clickstro throws two naked women out of his bedchamber. That's in the very beginning. Yeah. Another point in favor of the nude version, it's dubbed into English. Well, that's cool. We didn't watch that. And surprisingly well for a low-budget picture, the actress voicing Melissa is especially striking and convincing. It also has a virtue of of brevity, clocking in as felt and action-packed 70 minutes. Yeah, ours is like 72 minutes, I think. Uh, a year later, just after shooting Countess Perverse, Franco added approximately 12 minutes of new footage featuring Lena Romay as a gypsy girl cursed by Caligastro. Apparently, there was a concern that the film was too short. Fortunately, the added scenes are leaded and pointless. The film works much better without them. Also thrown in at the same time, though much more appealing aesthetically, were several shots of cowled revenants walking through misty woodland on their way to Clickstro's castle. Note the forest location is identical to the one in the opening and closing scene of Franco's La Countess Noir, uh, which tells us roughly when the autumn of 73... That's the female vampire one. Okay. Uh, and uh, and precisely when Madeira, the extra material, was shot, the UK pre-certificate video omits the tedious gypsy scenes but loses the atmospheric walking dead scenes and a few worthwhile dialogue scenes. The erotic rights of Frankenstein's is crying out for a sympathetic and definitive digital release. Sadly, no DVD or Blu-ray version currently does justice to classic. But since this book was written, it has came out through Redemption Films, and that's the version we watched with all the nudity. So, yeah. That's yeah. cool. So, yeah, that's definitely the version to watch. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty good. And, but, I, go ahead. Yeah, I really dug, I really dug with the, like the, the idea of this movie. Yeah. Um, the finding of the, the virgin, the perfect, creating the yeah, perfect virgin. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, because they had done something before that. I was like, it's so brilliant and so ba-. The thing about Franco, he does things that are so basic and brilliant, but nobody's thought of them before. And, and I'm not pat myself on the back or something, but I, 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 as a filmmaker, I try to do that stuff that nobody's done before, like chump change or something. That's pretty basic, but you're like, oh, why didn't somebody do that before? Like, blah blah blah, you know. And like with this, he's like, okay, well, I want to have Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein fuck, and have the perfect monster baby. And I was like, wow, that hasn't been done before. Yeah. It's like it's when you watch the original Bride of Frankenstein, you know, uh, uh, James Whale and was it 35 or whatever that you know that's what you want to see, and that doesn't happen. She, he, pulls the switch and they blow up but it's like that was obviously was what he was born to be her mate so they were obviously going to breed and have another yeah. race of you know super babies or whatever so yeah and it's like franco that was his idea on this but then of course it doesn't happen because the yeah. monster keeps his pants and his belt on when he's hovering over Britt nichols so <laughs> that was funny yeah yeah, no i just really i just really dug the idea yeah no there's just a lot of cool yeah. ideas you know the whole tying up on the 
the bendy spikes. The you bendy know, spikes are flapping the in the wind um, like his penis. Yeah. <laughs> But no, that's funny. The, the painting of Frankenstein, silver. The and also, too, the, the reanimation equipment. It's like, yeah. it was such a simple way. They laid him on the table. They had nothing hooked up to Dennis Price. And they were hitting these buttons. And he was coming back to life. And it was like reanimation, but without the electrical shock and all that stuff. And it was almost like reanimator. Uh, um, Herbert West reanimator. Um, um, H.P. Lovecraft. You know, it was almost like the reanimation thing, but without the serum. But with this, it was so simple, just the way they brought him back. And he's like, "Let me die." They kept bringing him back to life. See, that was, was trying to die. That was, was one funny. of my favorite parts. It was like, "Oh wait, so we need some more information from him. Go ahead and like use the magnet." And yeah, turn him for a few on. minutes. He's yeah. like, "Oh, okay. Let me tell you some more information." And yeah. Then, all right, well, let's go or. talk to him again. All right. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because in the beginning he gets stabbed. I'm like, "Wow, Dennis Price is a short yeah. while," but no, sure enough, he has to. Get brought back to life a few more times. A few more know? times. First by his daughter, and then by the fucking cops, and then he gets his revenge. All the other cops are just choking him and shit, you yeah. know, and all that shit. So that's hilarious, man. And finally, he's like, "Can't you just let me be at peace?" <laughs> yeah, but no, that's like I said. This movie jams along really good. It's yeah. got good locations. It's a fun monster rally movie. Um, watching it again later, I, I I really like this a lot. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's. It's maybe my top twenty, maybe I don't know. I I I really liked it a lot, man. And I just it just fucking grooved with me, and yeah. I I just, I just dug it a lot. And uh, I don't know. It just it was it was a nice f- fresh pace again of quick nudity, lots of nudity, lots of cool monsters, beautiful shots, locations, yeah. outdoor stuff, and a lot of stuff I really like. But his was in this film, so. Yeah, uh-huh. this one had everything. So, like sometimes these movies have like a lot of nudity, but you know you can't really follow the plot. Sometimes yeah, there's a lot of fuzziness, yeah. or there's like no nudity. You know, but you can follow the plot and it's really good. Yeah, this was the perfect balance of both, and it had Britt Nichols naked, fully nude. Yeah, that and Andy awesome. walking around fucking naked. All oh the god, time. yeah, yeah, that's being so awesome. Yes, that, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy. Like so, since we started this podcast, I, since you started this podcast, I had zero Franco movies in my collection. Nice. Um, you had gifted me two, right? Two amazing ones, and then now I have ordered. I am up to eleven, and I have another ten more that should be arriving in the next two yeah. days. <laughs> I think I gifted you a, a book and maybe two DVDs. Yeah, you're giving me slaves. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Vampiros Lesbos. Yeah, yeah, those and, two. And the book, Stephen Thrower's yeah, yeah. The, Volume One. Volume One. Um, and you read about, see what you want, watch some stuff, and it's cool because you bought stuff that we haven't watched yet, or yeah. Stuff you just but know. I'm gonna wait. I'm yeah, not gonna yeah. watch them until we watch them because I like to be fresh when we right do have this. fresh eyes, have on fresh it. eyes no, yeah. on it, which is gonna be a little difficult because on yeah. one of the covers, Lena is licking a banana, and that's yeah, the hot nights of Linda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's kind of yeah. hard to, to leave that one alone. Well, if you look uh, right next to your left, to your right hip, uh, oh, I know, Lena licking a banana. This, that's why I bought it, man. I, yeah. I saw the top, I'm like, oh, I've well, seen that too. And actually, I moved the desk over a little bit, so now that's right at that level. Laugh because it's just peeking over the table, you know. So if I'd stand just <laughs> down there, but, and like tonight, yeah, I know. There. I know tonight when I go home or when I leave, I am going to be ordering a couple more. Yeah. <laughs> well, plus, you got the non-Franco uh, Rolls Royce baby coming in. Yeah. Full moon. Yeah. And, uh, and that too. So yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's uh, it's yeah. I now have a collection. I mean, yeah. not quite yours yet. Not right. at your level, but yeah, not a hundred and some odd. Or no, but it's still probably a little bit more than your normal person. Yeah, yeah. I think anybody that has more than five or six Franco films, like, okay, that's fucking cool. You know, you're a fan. Yeah. You got, you, know, you got one or two, whatever, you know, but you got more than four or five. That shows you got interest, you know, so. Yeah. That always counts a lot, so. Very good, young Peta one. <laughs> <laughs> Soon you will be a Franco man. I know. Pretty soon I'm going to have to get a two-bedroom apartment just to hold his catalog. Exactly. Well, you know, 
I mean, if you look, it's not bad. If you just get three shells, that's basically Franco. Oh gosh, you know? that's, but, that's a lot. But that, yeah, but it's not. I mean, it's not crazy. I mean, there's a lot crazier stuff. Oh and, no, I agree. You know, but so yeah. Um, so in closing, I would just want to say I'm going to give. Uh, do you have any final thoughts of the film before I do all the plugs? No, I just I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it, yeah. definitely watch this one. It's yeah, the redemption it's really good. The redemption Blu-ray is the way to go. Uh, like you said, in the book they hadn't had it out yet, but uh, yeah, it's the full nude version. It's got a good copy of it. It's got audio commentary. It's got a good trailer on there with a lot of good spoilers and nudity in the trailer. Yeah. A lot of the Franco lists in the trailer were like water, sea, you know, yeah. red light chained up you see all the high spots in the, in the trailer so that was cool uh, alright so we'll go ahead and give plugs all that good shit uh, of course why we do this is praise the memory of Jess Franco bringing the name and films of Jess Franco to new eyes and ears uh, always please download the episodes please rate please share please tell your friends let's get the audience up we're usually at about uh, say about four say doing about fifty 50 downloads an episode or so usually an average 45 50 let's try to make it like 60 or 70 or like 80 or maybe even 100 that'd be really cool and like try to get our double our numbers because more numbers we get then actually uh they pay attention to us and they start advertising for us and doing stuff and that will make our numbers go even better so that's always like good for everything good for uncle jess too you know so yeah if you guys can get those numbers up to 100 we'll do this podcast topless yeah <laughs> well <laughs> eric's gonna do it topless on the corner of no. um, yeah well that's that's no big deal so. now uh now if you can get uh, well actually they're all never mind i can't say they've all, they've all passed away now so i can't say we'll get this person that person yeah um yeah so uh but anyway Never mind what young Eric says about being topless, but you can find us on the internet at FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com. You can find us on Facebook, FrancoObserver Podcast. We've got a page there. Add us, like us, uh, tell all your friends, um, and even tell people you hate. Uh, also, you can find us on Instagram. You can uh, find our Facebook or our page there. We add stuff weekly of all the Blu-rays, DVDs, different episodes that are dropped, all that good shit. Um also, we're going to start production on Desperate Visions Productions uh, in about a week's time from recording this episode. Going to be starting with uh, Emmanuel and Sin City. And then after that, we'll be doing a film uh, called Lady Hyde, which is a modern and reimagining reinterpretation of the Jess Franco classic She Killed in Ecstasy, but made with the Jason Rudy twist. So... Uh, yeah, so that's a little inside uh, knowledge there for fellow Franco fans. So I am more than just a f- uh, Franco fan. I'm a Franco-inspired filmmaker, so you'll start seeing. Uh, and I'm also going to be following the Franco list of putting in as many of the list in my films, red lights, uh, yeah. ocean shots, sailboats, uh, yes. and all that good shit, magic tongues, maybe masturbation with the sea idol. We'll see. I don't know about that, but, but I definitely got a sheepskin rug, so... <laughs> You know, but, uh, yeah. So, anyway, with that, so. Masturbation with candy. Okay, so um, <laughs> uh, the authorities, you know, you might want to talk to uh, and make sure he doesn't have any beautiful nights. So. All right, beautiful nights. Beautiful nights.